inside your head. I'm Nasty Neal, and I'm joined by Wayne Perret, who's a, in the current number one movie. Pretty cool. How you doing today? I'm well. I'm well. How you doing? I'm good. Good. I think I'm supposed to say well, but I'll say good. So no, <laughs> I bet you. Good as, you bet good, you, as, yeah. good as well. Well is good. All right. Fair enough. So uh, I mentioned you're in the number one movie, Venom. So uh, that's pretty cool. Dr. Emerson, uh, how, how did you get involved in Venom? Well, you know, like most actors, we we sit around and we wait for our agents to get in touch with us. And they say, uh-huh. yeah, we got this thing going on and that thing going on. And, you know, I've, uh, uh, it's always good to be in the Marvel Universe. So, you know, when something comes up, you say you kind of balance it out with everything else you have going on and you make a choice. And uh, so uh, decided to go in this direction. Uh, but yeah, it's exciting that it's, uh, it's came out of the gate so well. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll have a good second weekend. And, uh, I know we have a lot of competition coming up with, uh, with Halloween and whatnot. So, uh, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's nice to be, it's nice to be the king for a week. Huh? <laughs> yeah. It's good to be the king. Yeah. I'm a big horror movie fan, so I'm looking forward to Halloween, but I think Venom kind of, uh, uh, appeals to horror movie fans too, uh, all the effects. Yeah, I guess it is. You're right. It is a different genre, but I, I think it's, uh, you know, um, yeah, sort of in the same wheelhouse close. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, what, what do you make of like, uh, the current, um, superhero movies? Like it's become such a, a big genre. Well, honestly, it's, it's not necessarily as an audience. I'm not mm-hmm. necessarily the audience that they're gunning for. Cause I'm more into sort of offbeat dramas, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, the, the ones I do see, uh, you know, I, I, I enjoy the, the escapism. I enjoy taking the ride. I enjoy the humor that they've injected to inject it into a lot of these films, you know, which I think is one of the strengths of Venom, you know, is that, uh, there's some dark humor in there, darker mm-hmm. than what you would normally expect. I think because just the Venom characters is kind of a unsavory individual. So, uh, um, but, uh, yeah, I think uh, I like the direction that, that things are going. I, I, but really, over the last couple of decades, I, I think uh, um, they've really come into their own, you know? Although, you know, you look back into the, the, the original Superman. Well, not the original. Well, I think it was the original film with yeah. Chris, Chris Reeves. Mm-hmm. You know, another great film. Lighter humor, but, you know, some great humor in there. Um, and, uh, um, but yeah, I, I think they're a fun a fun ride. You know, it's a lot of mythology and allegory and whatnot, but, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, I think as, as escapism, I think it's fantastic. You know, I think it's fantastic that that stuff's out there. Mm-hmm. You said, uh, stuff that you're kind of into if you, if you would go and, and watch a movie. Uh, so, so what kind of stuff did you watch before you were an actor that, that made you want to become an actor? Oh, that's a good question. Um, oddly enough, growing up uh you know we didn't have as many choices on television you know when i first started watching things you know we didn't we had three networks and you know so it's pre-hbo and cinemax and all that stuff so uh that stuff was was coming in uh, i was a little little older by the time that stuff was coming in um uh so you know on the films that were on television you know, we catch the things that were from a, a few years back. And I, I remember the Sunday morning stuff, you know, like, uh, and we always had the Tarzan movies and, uh, with Ron Ely and uh, I don't know if you know that dude. Um, but they were pretty, you know, they were, they were nothing to write home about, 
Um, so I, I and, and in the seventies when I was, 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 you know, really young, um, obviously that was a kind of golden age of, uh, of film, mm-hmm. but I was, uh, you know, I lived in a small community in Louisiana, you know, down really far down South, down in Homa, which is, you know, just a little bayou community. Um, mm-hmm. it's kind of an oil boom town. And, uh, you know, we had, we might have had two movie theaters, I guess. So we didn't get a lot of options down there. It wasn't like, you know, being in a larger city like New Orleans or Baton Rouge or wherever. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't really introduced to the film uh, really until the 80s. You know, I started really paying attention a little more. Uh, but the, the slipping into acting was just a complete accident. I was doing other things. I was, uh, you know, after I got out of high school, I decided to work offshore initially. You know, all my siblings had gone to college and I decided well, you know, I want to do something different. I want something adventurous. So I chose um, to go to commercial diving school, you know, the hard hat diving. So, you know, there's a lot of that uh, um, in the Gulf of Mexico for the oil industry. So, um, and we were all swimmers growing up. So I love the water. I was like, yeah, I'll do that. Um, So I did that for a few years. And then I just accidentally slipped into acting in college. I, you know, decided to go to school, went up to LSU, and, and I noticed an acting course in the handbook, you know, for classes. And yeah. I was like, wow, really? They have, they teach acting in college? I, you know, I never knew. I just assumed it was kind of a familial thing and, you know, mm-hmm. family members got into it and I never really thought about it, to be honest with you. So um, uh, I just sort of slipped into it that way. I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. I think I'll, maybe I'll try that. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, here I am. Yeah. So when you tried it out, is it something that like uh, you fell in love with right away or did it take time? There was something about it. I think that was appealing um, right from the get go. So I stayed involved and I was in college. So it was a theater department. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're doing theater and uh, so you're going to see plays and you're doing theater. And I like the group. You know, I like the, the people that were and I was in school with and in classes with just kind of an eclectic um wise ass group, you know, mm-hmm. a little crazy, a little eccentric, you know, and uh so they were just an interesting group group of people to hang out with. And um yeah, I think what 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 appealed to me is that um initially is is there's a lot of self discovery involved, I think, when you're in a program, an acting program. Mm-hmm. And uh it's really a journey into self and I I was drawn to that journey. And, uh, you know, um, yeah, it sort of, it kind of eased into me. I didn't catch the bug right away, I would say. Mm-hmm. And by the time I was ready to leave LSU, you know, I had a, uh, several good plays under my belt and, um, yeah, it, I was, I was hooked. So, so headed out to LA. Okay. So when you go out to LA, um, I assume you have to do other jobs besides just you know, being an actor. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Unfortunately. <laughs> to do other things. Uh-huh. Uh, what kind of stuff uh, were you doing? I was going to say, you're curious about those, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, Lord. Let's see. What did I start out doing? Uh, well, one of the first things I did, I, I thought, because um, I wanted to be, you know, work a job that I had independence and I can get to auditions and stuff. So um, I decided to train as a uh uh, a masseur, you know, to, to do massage. Right. And, uh, so I went to school for that massage 
therapy, I guess is what it was. And uh, um, I did that and I got out and I tried to start up a little business, but you know, that didn't, that didn't really go, you know, I tried for a while and I just, you know, didn't have the drive to do it and to really get it started. Um, I went to bartending school. I thought, yeah, I'll learn how to make some drinks. And, and, uh, but it was the, the, the job market for bartenders specifically in Los Angeles was extremely competitive mm-hmm. and I'm sure it still is. So, uh, all the experienced bartenders were getting the work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I ended up, um, I ended up bussing first. I was bussing tables okay. and in one restaurant in Silver Lake, I worked in the kitchen actually, which was, was, was a lot of fun. I kind of slipped into it accidentally cause I had a friend who was, uh, one of the chefs, you know, one of the daytime cooks and, uh, mm-hmm. So I started doing that for a little while, and then I ended up switching to, um, you know, busing and waiting, like I guess a lot of actors do. Um, but uh, yeah, I did all sorts of things. I drove I drove strippers to bachelor parties for a little stint, <laughs> you know, which was right. crazy. Um, and um, I worked at a stereo store for a while. Uh-huh. Uh, what else? courier stuff. I, I, I did courier work in downtown LA, you know, just driving packages around. Yeah. Um, and I was looking into like doing like limo driving and, uh, I never quite got that going. Mm. Um, but thankfully, yeah, it, it didn't take me too long to start, you know, making enough to not, to not have to do other jobs. So mm-hmm. you know. did, do you feel like it was something you were good at right away being an actor? Uh, I don't know if I was necessarily good. I was, I was committed. Mm-hmm. I was really, my work was always committed from the very, very beginning. So I would jump in and make choices and, and really go for it. Mm-hmm. And I think my, my mentor in college, John Dennis, he really appreciated that. And, uh, um, yeah, I think it took me a little while to, to, to sort of, I, and look, I'm still learning, Sure, you know, uh, I'm still, um, trying to get out of my own way and, and do my best work, you know? So, uh, um, so yeah, I, I don't think I was, I was, I was good right out of the gate. I think I was okay. I think I was fine, but, um, um, I, uh, I definitely over the years, uh, and through different teachers and different processes learned, um, you know, what, what, uh, what I think was the most, um, fulfilling approach to the work, you know, um, mm-hmm. a lot of folks can just, um, I mean, I'll start here. The, the, the Meisner definition, I don't know if you're familiar with Sanford Meisner, but, um, wonderful acting teacher. He's passed now uh, mm-hmm. several years back, but uh, a lot of actors, um, uh, trained in Meisner and, uh, it's kind of a, it starts with a very simple exercise called the repetition exercise. And then it to builds onto that exercise. And it's, a it's a, it's an improv exercise really, but there are specific guidelines that you implement. And through that process, you really learn to listen, like really listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Meisner would say the, the goal is to listen with the ear of your heart. Um, and uh, so you're paying attention more, you're more, um, you're more present, you're more in the moment. You know, I'm mm-hmm. sure you've heard that phrase uh, bantered around in the moment. Um, and, um, and, so his definition of acting would be the ability to live truthfully under ima- imaginary circumstances. So anything else is not, not acting under that definition. So um, the technique, the, the, the repetition and the uh, additional 
additional uh, adjustments made to the repetition, I really think help you get to that place where you're really listening and you're allowing yourself to go through some sort of experience. Mm-hmm. And um, along those lines, it's, it's, it's just a shame that, uh, you know, acting, the word acting has gotten a bad, bad rap, you know, so he's acting, oh, a lot of acting there. But I think what people are referring to when they say that they're talking about indicating somebody showing me or somebody, um, you know, there's that, uh, um, what's the other expression? Uh, um, um, oh God, I'm trying to remember. Um, anyway. The point is that uh, acting shouldn't be a dirty word. You know, if it's done well, if you're truly acting, then it's it, it's it's uh, it can rise to the level of art, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I think, the goal. It doesn't often do that, but it, it it does get there occasionally. And that's what allows us to fully, as an audience, to fully escape and, and to take the journey of the story and the character, whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the goal, you know. We, the audience should be moved. They should be taken on a, on a, on a journey. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of other things that contribute to that, obviously the script being the number one thing, um, but how it's put together and the editing and, and all those other disciplines that go into making the film uh, either add to it or take away from that. Mm-hmm. But I'll get off my high horse. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, actually along those lines about editing, cause I always think like uh, uh, that could like totally change a movie. I would think. Uh, so is there any times when you, uh, good or bad, you're surprised at the finished project, project, you know, after you see it edited and the scores involved and everything? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, all the time. But I'm also a filmmaker, so I, I, um, I dabbled in editing, too, for my own projects and, and uh-huh. uh, you know, started playing around with that stuff, you know, 20 years ago. I was, I was editing on, um, what was the name? That was a, I'm trying to remember, Media 100, I think, was the name of the system back then. Okay. Avid was out, but it was an extremely expensive system. And Final Cut Pro wasn't out yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and Premiere wasn't out. None of those things were out. Anyway, but uh, yeah, oftentimes you go to see something and, and uh, you just feel like the rhythm's off. Or, you know, why did they choose that take? Or why did they, you know, specific, uh, specifically with my work, you know, I'll say, oh, mm-hmm. I know there's a different take than that. Why did they choose that one? Or why did they cut that piece? Or you're messing up the rhythm of the scene when you do... Uh, if you, uh, you know, it's too long there, it's too short, short here. Um, mm-hmm. cause a lot of it's about rhythm. I mean, the editor's job, I think is, 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 um, you know, the, to have rhythm is one of the most important skills you can have as an editor, I would say. Um, mm-hmm. so, but yeah, it's often the case where I'm, I'm questioning choices that they, you know, the, the, the filmmakers and producers have made, you know, on the final product, but hey, you know, it's out of my control. Yeah. When you said about editing your own stuff, I always assume that's going to be difficult because, uh, is it hard to look at like, a, like as a, as the work, as opposed to like, I remember this being like fun or memorable. And so I want to keep it in there, even if it might not work with whatever you're, you're putting together. You mean like when I'm editing my reels or when I'm editing? Uh, when you're editing, if it, like if, I... if you're editing your own not your reels, because that would be like a small thing. But if you're like editing your own project. Right. Uh, well, I think one of those things you're talking about, um, um, uh, they refer to as killing your babies. Like you might have a scene that you really love right. or a, um, a moment that you really love. But then you decide for the sake of the story, you have to you have to lose it. And you might just be absolutely 
you know, in love with it, like I said. And, uh, you know, for the, for the good of the film or the good of the story that it has to go. And, uh, they were, you know, like I said, they referred to that as killing your babies, you know, that's your baby and you have to, you have to toss it out. Um, so, uh, yeah, that can be challenging. Yeah. If you're really, you know, especially if it's a whole scene of something like, Oh, why did you, uh, you know, I got to get rid of that, you know? Uh, but then you put them on the end, you know, you put them on your, um, the extras folder on the DVD or whatever. Sure. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's, it's, it's a challenge as a filmmaker. And I've been, you know, I've been the victim of that. I've been, you know, uh, been cut out of things and, uh, I mean, every actor has, mm-hmm. um, who's been Is in that... business for any length of time. Yeah. Is that an experience that you have to get used to? At first, what, what, what's it like at first when, when you find yourself getting cut out of something? Well, it's pretty, like, it's, you know, it's, it's disheartening, obviously. Mm-hmm. If you're first, if you're just getting started too, you're, you're, you need the footage, you know, you need mm-hmm. to be able to show people what you're doing. And, and, uh, and if it's a big film, you know, it's like, oh man, like traffic. I had a great scene in traffic, you know, a film that Steven Stoderberg directed and, uh, mm-hmm it's a really cool scene and he cut it out of the film and I went to the screening and I didn't know. And I saw him in the lobby. He said, Oh, by the way, <laughs> it's like, ah, shit. <laughs> and in that film, the cast won a, a SAG ensemble award. So it's like, right. ah, shit. I would have got a SAG <laughs> ensemble award for, for traffic. Uh-huh. In the end, I understand why he, why he did it. Now, I mean, even in Venom, there are pieces that were cut out, you know, some things that fleshed out my character a little more and, you know, so I'm watching at the screening, you know, like, oh, really? they lost that piece. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, but you know, I understand, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's got to move the story forward. And and if it's not uh, if it's not adding to it, it's, it's taking away from it. So uh, and the audience can only really get to know, uh, you know, a finite number of folks, mm-hmm. you know, before they start thinking, why am I learning about this guy? Why am I learning about her? And why? What's the point? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you have to keep the story moving forward and, uh, but you know, even Tom and, and Riz and, you know, Michelle, I'm sure they had pieces of their stuff cut out, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, they're all over the film, but you know, a lot of times they come in over pages, you know, they just have more pages than they need and mm-hmm. it covers their ass later if they need, you know, if something's not working in there, like, okay, yeah, this scene will work, you know, they can do that. But, um, you know, it's, uh, I mean, audiences, they, you know, once it gets past 90 minutes, you know, it's like, it's a battle, Mm -hmm. you know, they don't, the the audience, the attention spans get shorter and shorter. I mean, Dances with Wolves, what was that film? That was like three hours or something. Right, right. And it didn't feel like it. I mean, did you see that in the theater or did? uh, Yeah, when um, it first came out, I saw it in the theater, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking at right now, let's see. Yeah, it's, it's three hours. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, uh, I, I don't know, you know, if you could do that today. And I loved every minute of that film. I, I didn't, yeah. it, it didn't feel long when I watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, you know, you get past, like I said, 90 minutes and everybody's looking at their watch. You know, okay, when's this, you know, when's this over? <laughs> you know, so they get, uh-huh. the films get more and more expensive to go see, but they get shorter and shorter. Uh, mm-hmm. But hey, you know, that's the way it goes. Yeah. Uh, speaking of short, I did see that you made a short called Kink, and um, I've always wondered um, 
what happens to the shorts after like a, I don't know if it had a festival run or what because like uh, you know you can't sell like an eight minute DVD like what what happens to it? Yeah, most of them just you know go by the wayside. I mean, there's, there's no real market for them that I know of. Um, you know, occasionally you'll you'll get some sort of life out of it. Uh, but that one I think you could find on um, on YouTube if you go to Kink um, Forty Eight Hour New Orleans. Okay. I went I went down to New Orleans and uh, and did that with a group of friends of mine, uh, and we won the festival actually. We won that uh, that uh, that year. Um, but uh, and you should check it out, Kink. Yeah, I'd like to check it out. New Orleans. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, are you a filmmaker? Are you the, the no no involved I've been, in that? Uh, no, I just actually what was in a short movie that uh, filmed here in Boston, but it's not out yet. I got you. Yeah. So you're wondering what's going to happen with that baby. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you know, like you said, usually it's the festival circuit goes around, floats around and uh, people see it that way. And people use it normally as a calling card for other things. Uh, but as far as selling it and getting it out there, you know, uh, most of them, obviously, the vast majority of them just go by the wayside. Mm-hmm. I imagine some individuals, you know, now, especially, you know, they put it up on some other platform on their own and, you know, maybe they can have some sort of, you know, collect something if they're trying to make any money off of it. But again, sure. normally it's, it's really just a calling card for something else. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can do a feature. Yeah. You know? Kind of like show what you can do. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do like the festivals. I started doing the festivals this year. I enjoy going to them and, uh, watching a lot of underground stuff and uh there are it does seem like shorts have uh, become more popular in the last few years i think because of festivals well that's good well look and also the um just uh social media and the web yeah you know because that's kind of the perfect you know and, six, and seven, like uh, whatever attention minutes. spans like like you mentioned um if you show a bunch of you know eight ten minute fifteen minute uh things as opposed to a bunch of hour and a half movies uh if someone doesn't like something, uh, you know, they only they know they only have ten more minutes before another one comes on. Right, right, exactly, exactly. So, I, I, I um, is that something you'd like to keep doing though? Is uh, is directing and and uh, making your own things? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I haven't put a lot of energy into it lately. You know, I've just been busy acting and you know, doing other things. You know, mm-hmm. um traveling and whatnot but uh yeah i do enjoy directing i enjoy working with actors um i enjoy writing when i actually sit down and do it you know it's just getting myself to do it is the is the challenge um but yeah i I, i'm sure i'll direct some more things uh it's uh virtually every directing experience has been a good one so um yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, i'm sure i'll continue on with that yeah so since you didn't see a lot of uh movies growing up once you got into acting did you like go back and 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 like uh i don't know like binge watch like uh, a lot of films or anything like that well uh i don't know if i have a binge watched uh i mean i have binge watched on like netflix yeah i kind of mean just like go back and maybe see stuff that you missed you know catch up on uh some of the big movies uh you know i'm sure i did you know it's it's been a while but uh yeah, I mean, over the years, I've definitely gone back and caught some of the classics, you know, that I miss, um, you know, Scorsese stuff in the 70s. And, um, 
and 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 uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like I was saying in, in the eighties, I did um, I did start to pay more attention to uh, to uh, um, to films. So when I was in college, I was going to see a few more there, but I wouldn't call myself a film buff or anything. I appreciate film, and I you know try to see as much as I can. But um, uh, I have other friends who are just like they're on it, you know, like every you know friends in los angeles here who are like you know they'll go see you know two a week uh-huh. and just be completely on top of it um so i'm not that uh, that committed mm-hmm. but i do love film i love uh i love the escape you know or mm-hmm. the lesson you know whatever it might be mm-hmm. so uh you mentioned uh, uh soderberg earlier um well can you tell me what the baton rouge mafia is Oh, the Baton Rouge Mafia. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, there were a group of actors that uh, that uh, uh, Stephen met when he was uh, at LSU. His father was uh, a dean of one of the colleges there. I don't remember which one. And um, uh, so Stephen grew up around, you know, the campus. And because uh, I was a, a little bit older than Stephen. And uh, so he would see us in theater and then once he started working, you know, making films, he would call us in to, to do stuff. So there's a, there's a group of us is like, uh, myself and David Jensen, Joe Crest, Eddie Jemison, um, John Meese, uh, who else? I think that's sort of the core group there. Um, and we were all in, um, you know, in theater at LSU at one time or another. So, uh, you know, he, uh, He's been very generous to us and, and uh, kept us in his circle. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's us. That's and that cool. was a term that he uh, that he, he coined. Okay. <laughs> you guys have matching tattoos or a secret handshake or anything? No, no, no matching <laughs> tattoos or handshake. But uh, you know, you can't use those tattoos. I didn't realize. Um, uh, I guess I should have known this, but after the Hangover film with Mike Tyson, right. Um, uh, you probably know about all that stuff because the artists, some of the tattoo artists sued yeah. the film, said, hey, you're using my, my images without my permission. Mm-hmm. But now, um, if the actor doesn't have some kind of release from the tattoo artist, apparently they have to, even if they're playing a person, you know, who is supposed to be all tatted up, mm-hmm. they have to cover the tattoos and then remake them. You know, with something else like yeah. little stick-ons or whatever, because I was yeah. just working on a project and they were doing that, and, I, and you know, I never, you know, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, it seems very strange, and the, uh, I mean, it's nice to, you know, obviously, like you want to uh, support the artist, but at the same time, it seems like if you put your art on someone, like it's kind of their thing, then. No, it's very strange. Well, that's what I would think. Yeah, if you're taking yeah. your art and and putting it on someone else's body. You know, then it's theirs. It's like the Banksy stuff. I mean, once he puts it on the building, then hey, he doesn't own that building, right? You know? Yeah, that's, yeah. You could just the, go around and put, hey, this is mine now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if he chooses to put it on there, and also you're paying for these tattoos, so you're paying right. to have it on your body. So mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it's bullshit. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, I'm with you. Yeah, you're an artist and you're you know creating these things, but you know, do a painting. And then sell the painting, but right. your canvas is another. 
human being's body. So you have to expect that pictures are going to be taken of it. And, you know, yeah, it's very, just um, very strange, strange for me. Did you see the thing about Banksy last week? They sold like a painting of his for a million dollars. So then he had like, it was, I did. I did. That was stuff. great. Now I'm yeah. not sure how much of a stunt that was or how it went, sure. but I mean, the truth of the matter is if the person does keep it and has paid for it, it's probably going to be worth more now right away because it's the first one he pulled that stunt with. Right. So, because they still have the image, it's just shredded because it's sticking halfway out of the frame. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, you have this girl with balloon. That's, I think the balloon is still in the frame, but the girl is out of the frame mm-hmm. and uh, it's this major event. So I'm sure right away, although the, whoever bought it probably wasn't thinking that right away, it probably, you know, tripled or quadrupled in value instantly because the stunt was pulled. Yeah. So, uh, you know, um, pretty wild. <laughs> I, I would think I'd have to read up, but I would think the guy uh, or the woman, whoever purchased it, uh, would have kept it, you know, just mm-hmm. for the infamy of uh, what had happened. Yeah. I actually didn't think about it that way, but yeah, definitely. It's very unique now. It's even more unique. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, about Venom, you're working with uh, Tom Hardy, you worked with before, and I think you're working with him again. Uh, what's he like as a person? Well, you know, oddly enough, for both of the films, for because I work with them on Fonzo, all right, we both worked on the same project. Let me put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I didn't, uh, I didn't work with him uh, directly on either one. Okay. Uh, I heard he was a nice guy. He did give me a picture. I have it around here somewhere. Like uh, on Fonzo, he was um, part of his preparation. I guess he would draw like with crayons or whatever on paper. And I do have one of his drawings that, uh, you know, was sent to me. Um, but yeah, I was working with, with Riz Ahmed, um, mainly. And, uh, none of the sequences I was in contained were there venom sequences. Well, I don't want to ruin anything. Mm-hmm. Um, um, cause there, there are a few symbiotes in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't work with him directly. Um, but I, I heard good things about him. I mean, he's intense. I know that. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, about that one. though. Yeah. Working with, uh, when, when you're on something where it's not really there, we, they add in later the CG, uh, what is that experience like? Well, it's challenging, you know, I mean, even, well, again, I can't say too much. Uh, let me, let me talk about it in a way that won't reveal anything. <laughs> All right. Fair um, enough. Cause it's not the first time I worked with, 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 with CGI. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes you're looking at a, a, a tennis ball on a stick or just a piece of tape, mm-hmm. you know, on something, especially if the, the, the creature is, is really big, you know, so you have to raise your eye line really high. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just requires imagination, your ability to, to let your imagination run wild and, um, and go with it. So, uh, I mean, it's just, it's really part of the gig, but, uh, yeah, it, it, a lot of people find it challenging. I think well, coming from theater, you know, I often had to work and do, um, uh, work on monologues, mm-hmm. whether it's in training or in a play and, uh, you know, or a soliloquy in, in, in Shakespeare. Um, and oftentimes, you know, those situations require you to, you know, really utilize your imagination extensively or in a play where you're looking out across the audience, but you're imagining 
whatever it is, you know, it's a riot or it's a ship leaving the dock or it's, you know, your, uh, um, your lover, whatever, with another man or whatever it is, you know, so Mm -hmm. you're often um, having to imagine things that aren't there in front of you, but you're having to, to uh, allow yourself to, you know, imagine this event taking place. So it's, it's kind of the same thing, really. You know, it's like doing a monologue or a play. Mm-hmm. Um, you're looking at a, 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 a tennis ball and seeing some nasty freaking creature with teeth. You know, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> oh goodness gracious. <laughs> um, so, um, so yeah, and, and but you know, you juxtapose that. So you have you know you have your coverage, and then you flip to the other thing, and the audience mm-hmm. will fill in the blanks. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So I saw you're uh, going to be in the, um, the pilot episode of uh, The Watchmen, which I'm really looking forward to. It's my probably my favorite graphic novel. Um, oh, were you fam- oh, okay. Yeah, that's fantastic. Were, are you familiar with The Watchmen at all? I wasn't. No, I wasn't really a graphic uh, graphic novel kind of kind of guy. You know, no comics or any of that stuff. Um, so uh, that was the first my introduction to it. But I enjoyed the script. Um, and I do think it's going to be a clever little piece, you know, I think, uh, I think it's going to be pretty cool. Um, uh, yeah, well, it was fun to shoot at a, 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 and, um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm excited to see what they're going to do with it. I think, uh, I think it's going to be something. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, do you have any, uh, do you know when that, that's coming out? I know it's 2018 at some point. Yeah. I'm not really um, sure when it is coming out, but, um, you know, I don't think there's a lot of information out about like you know who's playing different who's playing different characters and whatnot, but uh, it's something right. I'm very looking for. I like pretty much all all the um, versions of it. I love like the, the original you know comic book graphic novel, um, the movie. I thought was great. Some people don't like it, and then there's this really stylized version of it that that I really like. It's called the animated graphic novel, and they took the original graphic oh. novel and kind of cut the characters out, and it's very like um, basic animation. And uh, it's just one guy doing all the um, all the characters, so uh, huh. it's, probably, it's probably not for everybody. But I, I really dug it. I thought it was uh, it's very long. It's like four well, hours. Well, you're a real fan. You're a true fan. <laughs> I am a true fan. Yeah. yeah, I think it's the only cool. graphic novel that was in like the top hundred American uh, novels. It was number one hundred. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Very oh, cool. okay. So. Uh, yeah, Alfonso, is that about Al Capone? It is. Yeah, yeah, it's about Al Capone in his later years. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, it, it's uh, that's another interesting script. I think uh, I'm curious to see that one. Um, had a good time working on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the another film, Trial by Fire, which is uh, a Laura Dern thing, which I think uh, should be oh, interesting cool. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so a few things coming up that I'm I'm, uh, I'm excited to see. You know, I'm excited to see what kind of direction they go in. Yeah. Um, when you see it, like a, a movie or a show, whatever that you've been in, uh, do you watch it like as the film, or do you see? Or do you kind of watch it as the experience of uh, making it? Well, it's uh, you know any piece that I'm involved in, you know, because you're often. I mean, you're you're often not in every scene, you know. Sure. So there's, there's a lot of pieces that you weren't around for, so 
Um, uh, when it comes on to, to seeing that you were part of the shooting, it's, it's hard not to reflect back on what that day was like and, and uh, um, approach it with a little bit of angst about, okay, what are they going to do with this? How are they going to put it together? Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, the, the ideal thing is if you can take the journey, you know, if you could just, uh, just escape with it. And uh, um, uh, I'm always trying to do that, but it's not, not always successful. Uh, and I don't even see everything that I do, you know, I miss some things, um, which people, a lot of my actor friends are like, what are you talking about? You didn't see that? I said, yeah, no, 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 watch all of it. Right. Um, but I, I think part of it too is once you've been doing it for so long, it, it's, it's, uh, um, it doesn't, uh, um, you're not as wrapped up in it. So it's easier to sort of let it go. And I often forget about what's coming out, especially with the television thing. I don't know when everything's coming out, you know, mm-hmm. All right. Um, I would imagine like okay. after you film it, I was just sorry to interrupt you. I was just say, I imagine after you film it, a lot of times it's not like it comes out the next day or something. It's, you know, months or sometimes years. So it's actually, you know, out there. Right. Exactly. And I've done so many things in the interim that I've, I've, I often forget about it and to a certain extent. Like, oh, yeah, wait, what was I working with on that one? Uh, you know, I'll go into a meeting for a job and they'll say, oh, you worked with so-and-so. And I'll be like, yeah. And I'm trying to remember what project it was, you know, <laughs> like specifically like directors, especially. Oh, you work with so-and-so. And I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, I did. And, and what was that like? <laughs> like, <laughs> wait, what project are we talking about here? Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, you know, it's not like other jobs where, you know, you usually stay on it for many years, you know, so you know all your coworkers. I mean, when you're jumping, jumping from job to job, it's hard to keep them all, you know, separated. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, along those lines, well, do you have any uh, Chuck Norris uh, stories from uh, from Walker, Texas Ranger? Oh, look at that. Dragging up Walker. Walker, uh-huh. Texas Ranger. Victor LaRue. Um <laughs> Yeah, people still, uh, that's still a popular one, you know. I, I still bump into folks. Oh, Victor LaRue. Yeah, we love Victor LaRue. <laughs> um, uh, Chuck, he's a great guy. He is a great guy. Yeah, really nice. Uh, um, very um, uh, generous, I would say. You know, he, yeah, I did the first episode, and then they found a way to bring me back, you know, every year after that and put me in the Western. So, because uh, they did you know, four episodes and one of those was a two-parter and uh, I had a great time because they just gave me a lot of freedom. You know, it was a crazy, um, really off the wall character. And, uh, and I just chewed up the scenery on that one. Uh, but yeah, he was, uh, you know, uh, very, uh, very modest, quiet guy. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just real salt of the earth, you know? Yeah. He's just a, just a sweet, sweet guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any stories about uh, Galaxy Quest? Galaxy Quest. Oh, man, I love that film. Um, uh, stories. Well, for my part, it was really freaking hot because I was in the suit. Because right. um, we were part of the... Um, there were only two of us that were the, the, you know, the evil aliens, um, the lobster-looking folks. Uh, that were speaking. So myself, uh, my character was Lieutenant Lathe, and then it was um, Saris was the main guy. Um, and uh, uh, they wanted us both to be 
you know, we're supposed to be large and intimidating. So I had, you know, raised lifts in the shoes and, and um, just covered with, with freaking muscle pads. And uh, the, the, the head was, um, you couldn't take it off. Cause I have a friend of mine who did the Ninja Turtle movies and they were able to take their turtle heads off, you know, in between takes and slip them back on like a hat, you know, mm-hmm. but for, um, but for uh, uh, Galaxy Quest, you couldn't do that. So I, once you were in the in the head, you were in it. You know, it was, it was glued onto your face. So um, it was really freaking hot, man. And we'd finish takes, and I'd run into the freaking hallway, and we had those big um, AC blowers with the big tubes, and and I would I could unzip the front of my suit, and um, and uh, and cool off. But uh, it was it was pretty brutal. But as far as the other folks are concerned, um, that was when I first met um, um, Sam Rockwell. Oh, wow. And, uh, I mean, he had just, I think Green Mile was just before that. And it, I don't think it had come out yet. I think he had shot it, but it didn't come out yet. I think mm-hmm. that's how it was. And so I wasn't really familiar with his work. But we ended up sitting next to each other at the table read. And I'm just looking at this guy. I said, this guy's freaking funny, man. He's really good. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, um, you know, we hung out and I drove him into Hollywood and we chatted because he, he was, we were out at the beach. We we're down in Venice beach somewhere for the read through for the table read. And, uh, he, uh, he turned to me and said, yeah, man, I, like, I got to get to Hollywood and Vine. Are you going that way? I said, yeah, sure. I'll give you a ride. And, uh, you know, so we rode in together, but, um, just a really freaking another really nice guy, very eccentric and, uh, it's fantastic in the film. So it was one, it was fun to watch him work. Yeah. Uh, so going to Weaver was really a sweetheart. Uh, a friend of mine had come in from Louisiana and uh, he offered to cook uh, her some crawfish etouffee. So uh, she's like, sure, sure. Come, yeah, cook some etouffee. Come in our, my trailer. You know, because I'm in a small trailer with no kitchen and she's in an RV, you know. She's like, yeah, come in my trailer. And, uh, you know, so my buddy Matt was in there making up etouffee and, uh, Apparently he saw her in an interview years later where she mentioned, uh, uh, she mentioned having that dish and Matt cooking it for her and stuff. So it left us <laughs> left some kind of impression, but, uh, yeah, it was a great group. And I think it's a, uh, I think it's a classic film and it's one of my favorites actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, really freaking funny. And the script actually, to me, read even funnier than the film. And I thought the film was really good and really funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, I was laugh out loud with the scripts many, many times when I first got it. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have that one on the resume. Yeah. There's a lot of, that's a very fun movie. Oh, by the way, what is a toupee? I've heard of it, but I actually don't know what exactly it is. It's like a stew, you know? So, um, uh-huh. a lot of times it's made, uh, with, uh, I mean, you can make shrimp etouffee. Crawfish is kind of the most popular. Um, uh, the ones we would make, mine would be a butter base if I'm cooking it, you know, it's no. onions and butter and, and, um, and, uh, celery, uh, little green onions at the end, um, some special seasonings that I throw in there, but it's a pretty straightforward, uh, straightforward dish. Now, Matt, I don't remember what, what, how he made his, um, his, um, if he made a roux or not, but I don't make a roux with mine. You know, a roux is oil and, and flour and you mm-hmm. brown it. Um, but, uh, my grandmother, uh, my dad's mother, uh, I use her recipe, which is really just just butter, you know, mm-hmm. and sautéed onions and celery, and then oh, and mushrooms. I like mushrooms in mine too. All right. 
So the you know, Arguments get down to New Orleans. Yeah, sounds very. I've never been to New Orleans. I've always wanted to go. Yeah, should get uh, down there for the, for the booze and uh, for the food. But did you? Uh, yeah. are, are you? A, are you a good cook? Did you learn other things from your grandmother? Uh, you, no, I'm not much of a cook. I mean, I, I make etouffee very well. That's my best dish, <laughs> but it's pretty simple. Uh-huh. Um, but no, I don't. Uh, you know, I don't focus a lot on it. I wish I would have. I wish I would have. You know, just hung by my mother's side in the kitchen and learned all her recipes. Mm-hmm. Um, and my grandmother's, but uh, you know, I was off doing other things. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. I you young men out there, I would suggest <laughs> get out there and yeah, yeah, learn how to cook. It's important. Yeah, I mean, I, I can cook a few things, but man, if if you can cook, you win a lot of hearts that way. I'm telling you. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I learned to make a uh, good lasagna for my grandmother. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good so, one. Uh, when I mentioned you're coming on the show, uh, uh. A director friend of mine, Seb Godin, uh, he wanted to wanted me to tell you that he loved Creature, and if you had any stories about making the movie Creature, he loved Creature. You're right. Interesting. Okay, because we they got I think it got ripped apart in the reviews. Um, any stories? Uh, well, I, I had the I had a freaking great time working on that film, man. I loved it. It was mm-hmm. fucking cool. Um, cause I was working with a good buddy of mine, David Jensen, who was part of the Baton Rouge mafia. Uh-huh. Uh, cause we shot that back in Louisiana. And, um, so it was, it was a blast for me cause I worked with an actor who I truly respect uh, deeply and, uh, who I hadn't worked with in a while. So we got to hang out on set and play, you know, some depraved freaking backwoods <laughs> folks. Cause it's got uh-huh. a little, we've got a little feel of, uh, of deliverance, you know, and we're the, we're the backwoodsy, you know, coon asses that are, you know, creating some mayhem. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, the story, I mean, in, in my mind, is, is kind of ridiculous, but, you know, uh, uh, everybody's committed in the film. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the idea of the monster, I think, is kind of, you know, okay, really? Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, the shoot for me was great because I got to hang out with a really good friend of mine and just play. Um, so it was, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun, you know, to hang my hang my nuts out there and uh, <laughs> and just just be ridiculous. So, uh, you know, what was Sid Haig like? Because that's actually my first guest ever on the show. Two thousand six was Sid Haig. Sid, you know, I mean, oddly enough, uh, you know, since I'm not like a horror buff guy, mm-hmm. it's not really my genre either. You know, mm-hmm. honestly, when we shot the film, I didn't know who Sid Sid Haig was, but everybody else did. Like, oh, it's Sid Haig and, and David. <laughs> oh, it's Sid Haig. I was like, yeah, I don't know who that is. But, uh, you know, yeah, he is he still around? Is oh, yeah, around? yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah, he's uh, uh, the third um, um, Rob Zombie movie is coming. He just filmed that. That's coming out. And I had dinner with him oh, in, okay. uh, in uh, Texas, I think last year, maybe the year before. And uh, he's a great storyteller, too. He used it, he's been around forever because he was telling stories about doing like West, like uh, Westerns on TV, like back in, in like the sixties. Really? Oh, yeah. I didn't realize he was around that long, but yeah. he's just got a great face. I mean, he's just oh, a definitely. really interesting looking dude. You know, there's only one said, Hey, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's it. Yeah. You know, if you want that look, that's the guy to go to. Yeah. Um, really interesting well, is his well, yeah, first yeah. movie, his first movie, spider baby. Uh, and he's very young in it. And, uh, yeah. He's in it with Lon Chaney Jr., who I might, I'm not sure if it was his last movie or not, but it's pretty wild to think like uh, 
you know, a horror icon from like the, the early days of the Wolfman is in with like a future horror icon of like modern day. Oh, that's interesting. So he was even doing that kind of stuff back when he first started. Yeah. You know, he but, started uh, in, in he, horror. Mm-hmm. But then he went on to do other, a lot of, a lot of other things. Yeah. It wasn't really till later in life when he, uh, when he like, be, you know, got roles that he's like really known for. Right. Yeah. That was my understanding too. You know, once he got into the horror stuff, I think that's when it really took off. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, nice guy. Yeah. I hung out with him obviously cause we're David and I were his, his underlings basically. So, um, you know, he was, he was making us go out and do his dirty work. Um, but yeah, yeah. Nice guy. Nice guy. What are you working on uh, currently? Well, uh, I have uh, American Horror Story. You know, that's going to be coming oh, really? out soon. Uh, work on the, uh, work the, on current, the, uh, the current season? Went, yeah, the current season. Yeah, I went back because I did a season a, a few years back. Um, and uh, so I'm back on for a little bit. And I just character? worked on. Well, maybe, maybe not. You'll have to watch right. the show because I can't right. spoil anything. I have been um, watching. I've been watching it. <laughs> okay. There you go. Uh, and I, uh, I just worked on Walkaway Joe, uh, which is a, a, a David Strathairn um, film. Uh, really cool little independent that uh, should be out next year sometime. Um, so I just, uh, I'm just off of that. And, you know, there's a couple of things in the works. So we'll see uh, over the next week or two what, uh, where I'm headed next, you know. Oh, very cool. Well, I appreciate you coming on tonight. I uh, enjoy talking to you. Well, I enjoy talking to you. And, uh, yeah, if uh, your folks want to uh, look me up on Instagram, Wayne Perret, or uh, my website's down at the moment, but that should be up shortly. So WaynePeret.com or my fan page on Facebook, whatever. You know, some of that stuff is uh, is down at the moment. But, uh, but yeah, um, jump in, and uh, and I'll keep you up to date with what's going on. Very cool. Well, I appreciate it. Hey, man. Well, thanks for having me on. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Bye.
Every man does a sailor different face Dealer in the arms waist Covered with a wooden name 